0: In Her Words is a subseries from Something Private, featuring lesser-known stories of women who survived unspeakable pains and triumphed. Women who succeed despite and against all odds. This is their story. This is the thing. It's like... The toughest thing is, like, nobody wants, like, you're not heard, right? You know, you're like, kind of like, your voice doesn't matter. Nobody wanted to hear me. I'm a Chinese-American, and I've been living in Singapore for quite a number of years. I was sexually assaulted. I initially really didn't know anyone, so I had zero friends prior to moving here and then some people suggested that I join the sports team you know it was a very social sports league team and there was a lot of parties and there were lots of social events the incident happened at this uh, team Christmas gathering the captain of the team's condo so he had a really big swimming pool There was food, there was like lots of alcohol. So a lot of sports teams sometimes in Singapore, I've noticed, or even in general bankers, they drink a lot. The captain of our team, he was like quite shy and a reserved guy, but very tall and very muscular. But when he drank, like people would be like, oh no, it's his drunk side coming out. He would be so loud and so arrogant and so like alpha male. I have really low tolerance, so I would be drunk after one beer, one glass of wine, one cocktail anyway. So at the Christmas party, I didn't have any alcohol. And so I remember things pretty clearly. I remember, like, he wanted to dance with me, so we danced a bit. I remember he tried to put his hand on my thigh, and just, I thought, like, this isn't comfortable, so I moved his hand and actually, like, relocated myself to the other side of the, like, swimming pool area. The evening continued, um this was it was like past midnight now maybe like 1 a.m. or so I uh, wanted to you know go home so I just walked over to the women's changing room women's bathroom I you know I get changed I rinse off and as I'm coming out of the changing stall I see him walk in and I'm like hey hey you're in the wrong space like this is the women's changing room and you know he just said hi and then he kissed me and then I thought like oh, like, uh, how do I get out of this? But, you know, maybe he's just drunk and I can just push him off and, like, get out of there. But, I mean, he was substantially bigger than me and so the kissing continued and then he pushed me back into the changing room stall. He locked the door and then with his arm or elbow pushed me against the wall. And then at this point, I was terrified. Like, I was being pushed so hard up against the wall, I thought, like... Like, this is actually pretty dangerous. Like, I could get hurt. But I did try to push him off. I mean, I... I always, you know... I, maybe as women, I, I always, like, blame myself. Like, I could have done so much more to escape. But I would say I froze as a result of also just panic and terror. I thought, like, oh my god, I don't want to be, like, beaten up. Um, and how he's pushing me against this wall is... I can't even move. I still had my dress on. Yeah, and then he removed my underwear and then began to violate me. I remember saying like, what are you doing? This isn't okay. Stop. So he pulled out. There was like a semen on the floor and then he pretty much immediately ran after because I was pinned against the wall and then, you know, once I felt like I wasn't being pushed anymore. He ran out of the changing room stall, ran out of the women's bathroom. I didn't even see him. So during this entire encounter, or the assault, I didn't really see him. For a few moments I looked at this semen, I even got some paper towels and like thought about wiping it from the floor as like evidence to take to the hospital or to the police, and then I just thought like, oh this is so disgusting, I just want to get back into my bed and pretend this never happened. So I just got my stuff, put my clothes back on, and then left the women's bathroom changing room. I remember feeling uh, so, yeah, just frozen and shocked. And then so I went to the taxi stand to get to go home, and two of my teammates were also waiting there. And they said, hey, do you want to share a cab? And then I said, "Uh, okay. And in the cab, you know, one of my teammates, who I considered a friend, said, hey like did you enjoy the party and I I told him what happened I said you won't believe it but the captain of our team followed me into the changing room and forced himself on me and he was like what are you sure and you know I said of course I'm sure it just happened so um, he like fell silent um, the other guy was drunk and I think fell asleep I don't even think he heard us um, yeah I Yeah, I basically got home, uh, took a shower, the longest shower ever. I tried to, you know, I probably scrubbed myself so hard I was like red or, you know, like starting to bruise. But I just thought like, I feel so dirty and I want to get this dirtiness off me. You know, at first you're like, did I invite this? Um, And then, uh, then I started to think maybe this is just some big misunderstanding and I need to find him and I need to talk about it. The next day I contacted the captain of the team and I said, Hey, we need to talk. I don't know what happened and I don't know what you think you were doing, but I feel super horrible about what you did. Um, He told me of like a bar to meet him. It was like a bar. When I got there, he was, you know, drinking, I think, a glass of wine and smoking some cigarettes. He looked at me quite nervously and I just... I asked him and I said, you know, do you remember what happened last night? And he said, oh, you know, such a crazy party, such a, like, so many people at the Christmas party. Um, yeah, not really. He tried to minimize what happened. And I said, do you remember coming into the women's changing room and, like, forcing yourself on me? And do you remember me saying, like, stop, what are you doing? And this is not okay. And he said, yeah, you know, um, I was really drunk. And he did say you know, good luck and I hope it goes well for you. Because I also said I plan to go to the hospital and get tests. I said, you know, we had like unprotected uh, forced intercourse, you know, like, I don't know what diseases you have. I don't want to catch anything. Um, And he just said, okay, well, good luck at the doctors. Good luck with it. I hope it, you know, it goes well for you. So yeah, I was so shocked. So I just left feeling quite disappointed. Um, Yeah, I I guess I wasn't sure what I was looking for, but at least acknowledgement and an apology. He never really apologized. I just felt so angry, thinking, how could he do something like this to me, and then just take the elevator upstairs and climb into bed with his girlfriend and pretend like everything was fine. Um, When I would say this event has altered the course of my life and my mental health you know, probably for the rest of my life. I'm quite aware that uh, I'm probably more blocked than most people because from a young age, I knew if I cried, nobody would come, right? So I don't really cry. (laughs) And actually, I mean, prior to this incident that we're talking about, I didn't really cry for most of my 20s. Right after it had happened, I um, went on holiday with my boyfriend for three weeks, and during the holiday, I think I was having flashbacks, you know, and I had a hard time sleeping, and my boyfriend uh, seemed very concerned. So I told him, and he said, oh, you know, I told you we shouldn't be in a long-distance relationship, and it's not safe for you in Singapore, Um, yeah, and he absolutely told me I shouldn't report, because, you know, it would just be like, I've already... Been traumatized, he said the police investigation or the court cross examination, you know, would just re traumatize me over and over again. I think he had very good intentions, but I don't think he understood what I was going through. Um, So, yeah, when I got back to Singapore, I was working at a pharmaceutical company. And my colleague asked me, you know, why do you keep leaving meetings and you look like you're crying? If you're having relationship problems, don't drag them into the office. (laughs) So I couldn't really tell anyone. Like, I'm not crying about my boyfriend. Uh, One of the embarrassing things uh, that happened after is I even tried to you know, sweep it under the carpet and neutralize it. I even asked him if he wanted to go out for dinner. And part of me wanted to willingly sleep with him because if that was the case, then the rape would have never happened. You know, I was willing to do anything to neutralize the situation so I wouldn't have to be labeled a rape victim. That's not how I view myself. Now we're looking at a month and a half after the incident. I went to the Cantamund police station. um Yeah, and I uh went to the reception and the uncle said like oh hi what are you here for (laughs) and i said i'd like to report a rape um and he just almost fell off his chair and then he said oh okay go to this floor and then i go and there's one receptionist on duty and then i took a number and she said just wait so an hour goes by i'm like this is weird and then i waited a few more hours continued waiting so overall i waited seven hours and then yeah later on i got transferred to the sexual assault unit and then um i got assigned to this woman she asked me do you have a witness did you tell anyone after it happened and i said yeah i told two people in a taxi afterwards what happened and she said okay give me your teammate's name and we'll contact him and she told me that he denied what i had told him he said he doesn't remember anything You know, Singapore being quite small, I ran into him, like, maybe a couple weeks later. The investigation went on for a year, and I remember seeing him outside of a bar, and he was talking to people, and I just stood there. You know, probably face on fire, I could feel myself getting really hot. So I confronted him, and I just, in a combination of anger, but my eyes were so full of, like, hot tears. You know, I mean, it was a bar, so we weren't too far away from people, but I just felt like a meltdown, like, I couldn't stop crying. But I said, you absolutely remember what I told you that night, and you knew what happened. How could you lie to the police? And he just looked at me and he said, well, you know, the captain is one of my best friends. So then he walked away from me. So I just stood there, feeling really humiliated. I talked to the team. The team has this executive committee who I thought if I told them, they would know what to do. And they basically said, oh, the captain already told us what happened. We're all friends with him, uh, way better friends with him than we are with you. And also we wanna win nationals this year. He's gonna continue being the captain and you, since you're a new member to the team, you are kicked off. Please don't contact us again. I was furious, I probably still am pretty furious so angry <laughs> I, I can't even I tried to tell a few friends about what happened there was a friend of mine on the team his girlfriend um, now wife you know messaged me and said hey I heard that you're going through a tough time do you want to grab a coffee I mean I didn't really have friends in Singapore other than my teammates uh, so I said yeah I'd love to so I met with her to have a coffee and I told her what happened And instead of any comfort, uh, she actually said like, if you transfer me like money, we're going on this awesome holiday with this group of people. She basically tried to sell me some travel uh, club timeshare. And she's like, if you transfer me money now, then you can go on our next holiday next month. And I just felt like, you know, it's like, does nobody want to hear how I feel or what happened? And does nobody care? I honestly felt like nobody cared and you know starting to think like maybe I had done something wrong because I was getting punished by my team and also sort of punished by the police right like um, yeah I started to like blame myself a lot more and that's sort of when I was in a pretty negative headspace yeah I really felt like uh, the toughest thing was not being heard So it happened in December. I didn't report until mid-January. I probably didn't find aware until February, March. They were the only ones who were willing to hear what happened. And at the end of the day, that's really all I wanted. When the case was dismissed, I actually got a small postcard from the Singapore police saying, Hi, your case has been dismissed due to insufficient evidence. So I I remember that day, um, yeah, just like being in my room, I was supposed to have dinner with some friends and then I just locked myself up in my room and I, for the entire evening, just felt quite sad and journaled and cried. So it was quite a long year. I mean, in this year I had actually lost my job Um, the Swedish boyfriend that I had for 10 years and I broke up because I couldn't see a way we could be together. Before I used to reject my emotions a lot and I went to see my counselor this week at AWARE and she was like, I'll never forget the first time I met you. You were like, I've never seen anyone so blocked. You told me what happened like it was like a business debrief, you know, like a business meeting. You just gave me facts and you never expressed any emotion and i thought like i've never talked to someone like this like you were like a giant ice block uh and she said in the last five years you've started to like melt a bit you know but she said like "Mm, yeah like the first time i i met her there was no detail really and there was no emotion um and then she said like have you ever considered like allowing yourself or giving yourself the permission to cry or like, to feel what happened and just to let it out. Uh, yeah, they always do this. It's like psychologists, like they type in this code that unravels all this armor you wear, and then you're just like, like a kid, like sobbing uncontrollably. So my counselor at AWARE always said, set an intention, but don't be attached to the outcome. And that was one of the things that was super helpful. So initially I was very upset that the case got dismissed, but My intention is that this never, you know, or if I can help this uh, not happen to other women, I would. I wish at the time, maybe, um, I guess for me, uh, five years ago, if someone had just told me, like, stop blaming yourself, stop like harshly criticizing yourself, stop saying what you could have done more. If someone could have just told me, like, accept how you feel, and if you don't feel like getting out of bed today, that's okay. And you don't have to be hard on yourself for not being productive or efficient, you know? If I had just given myself permission to be sad, to take a timeout, instead of struggling against all of my, my voices and myself. Yeah, if I had just gave myself a hug or went to the spa and got a massage, I think... The easier you can be on yourself, the better, you know, and we are by ourselves most of the time. So it's so important to have that comforting, accepting, non-judgmental, supportive relationship with yourself. I mean, for anyone who thinks about reporting, I think they 100% should. One of my girlfriends, recently turned 30 and you know we had a big party for her and she said you know my perpetrator the guy who attacked me when i was 18 he was 30 so very small things that you think wouldn't trigger you you know for the rest of your life trigger you and if you feel helpless already when You are being assaulted. Imagine how you feel if you don't do anything about it. So that feeling of helplessness and why didn't I do anything and I didn't do enough will sort of haunt you. So for rape victims now, I would love to create a community where people do feel safe, you know, because it's scary out there. (laughs) As a team, we can try to raise each other to be in a better headspace. If we can teach the next generation to be more assertive and say no, you know, um, just knowing your boundaries, being more clear, making sure that men understand that this is absolutely wrong and that they do have to ask for consent. They can't just assume. But also, as a woman, just evaluating what are your options and knowing what to do if something like this does happen to you. Yeah, like teaching people what's a healthy way to touch, what are boundaries, Uh, between men and women and how to respect those getting a dialogue going sooner rather than later i would say currently i'm having the best relationship ever with myself um i'm in a fantastic headspace i um have just started a new company in Singapore yeah I co-authored this uh, best-selling book on Amazon so now I'm an international bestseller because it was number one I think on Amazon in the US Japan Australia um, Canada Yeah, I have a boyfriend now who is fantastic we play beach volleyball together so I have a new sport and like a new tribe um, around sports and investing Um, things are fantastic you know (laughs) knock on wood i mean i'm in a fantastic headspace and what i've learned from my therapist is that the same way you can stack negative energy or thoughts you can do that with positive thoughts so i have a morning routine where i visualize where i want to be in the next year or what i want to get done that day i think about you know, at least three things that I'm thankful for. So just to be a bit more mindful, to be in the moment, to stop living in the past. But I'm working on it. (laughs) Subscribe on Spotify, iTunes and Google Podcasts to be the first to get notified for new episodes that come out every Thursday. You can find me at Something Private or follow me on Instagram at Something Private Pod.